Welcome to the Let's Talk About Love, Sex, and Infidelity podcast with your host, Todd Krieger. Todd has over 35 years of experience working with thousands of couples as a licensed therapist in his private practice. Todd shares his insights on this show. It's never too early to divorce-proof your marriage or too late to heal yourselves and have the relationship you truly want. Hi, everybody. This is Todd Krieger. Uh, what I do is I help couples rekindle passion. I help couples heal from infidelity. And I help individuals heal from all kinds of trauma, betrayal trauma included, uh, which is a little bit of what I'll be talking about today for you. The name of my talk today is What's Wrong With Me? What Many Betrayed Partners Tell Themselves. Common thing in my practice when a partner of any gender is a victim of betrayal, it's easy to say, what's wrong with me? So I'm going to talk about five different points that I think are important to help people understand where that comes from and also how to shift it. So the first thing is personalization. That's a word I use. We personalize things. And where does that come from? So that's the first thing. Personalization, where does that come from? You know, and I think we have to personalize when we're little kids. When we're a little kid and we're dependent on our big people to love us, then if they don't take good care of us at some times for one reason or another, or in more um, drastic cases, it becomes a consistent problem. We as a child need to see the parent as good because if we don't see the parent as good, we feel really powerless, scared, alone. We can't afford that. So we make a little bit of a psychological shift. Uh, a theory class I teach at USC, 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 um, is, you know, I, I talk about uh, a phrase called the moral defense. And it's in what's called object relations theory. And what it means by that is that the child will defend their parent in their goodness because they need to see the parent as good. So if, if you treat me bad, it must be me. So we have learned to personalize things. And the other thing about it is we're, we're you know, relationship creatures. So we're in relationships. And so... We look for our partners, as well as our parents, to mirror our goodness and our worth. So it's really kind of a natural thing to personalize things. But just because it's natural doesn't mean it's true. doesn't mean it's real. And so this phrase, what's wrong with me, it, it comes from a personalization that just isn't true. Now kind, combine that with point number two. Point number two is no one's perfect. I've been married 37 and a half years, and I have to tell you, I am not perfect. I have learned from being married to my wife that I have my moments of being absolutely wonderful. Really, I can be. I can be a good guy. I can be a good listener. Go out of my way. But she has had many reasons to complain about me, as I have her and as we all do of, of our partners that we get to know over time. There's been times I haven't been a good listener. Or I've been wrapped up in work, or I've been defensive, and the list probably can go on and on. Um, um, so I'm not perfect. So 
if my wife cheated on me, which she has not, but if she had cheated on me, then I could say, well, maybe it's because of all these things I did. But no one's perfect. So that can always be an excuse. And sometimes the person who betrayed will do a little what I would call gaslighting instead of taking full responsibility for their choices. They'll say, well, you didn't love me enough or you didn't compliment me enough. You know what? That might be true. That might be true. And even if that's true, no one's perfect. And the person who cheated would, uh, would need to find another way to do that. Which brings me down to some of my other points. And point number three is cheating is never about the betrayed person, ever. The person who cheated made choices. And that choice was made for whatever the reason is. And yes, you have co-created that relationship. But if you go back to number two, no one's perfect. So if there are things that you've created in the relationship that really works, that's great. And if there's, you've co-created a relationship where it caused some pain or difficulties or even deprivation on the partner's point, well, that's normal too, because no one's perfect. We have to realize that uh, our role models when it comes to these these uh, committed relationships are our parents and grandparents, and they've had a lot to learn. I think for the most part, each succeeding subsequent generation gets it in some ways a little better. You know, back when I was first in this field, there were even hardly any books on relationship. There were some, but nothing like now. Absolutely nothing like now. My book, The Long Hot Marriage, if I wrote it back when I first got in the field, maybe it would have been a New York Times bestseller uh, because there was, wasn't as much competition. So we are getting more evolved, but, our, but it's our parents and grandparents that were the role models that taught us how to be in relationships. So of course we're not going to get some things right. And just because we don't get things right doesn't mean you deserved to have a partner who cheated on you. That's, that's just false. Uh, it buys into this idea that you, you, you should have been different or better or perfect. No. Actually, we should really mess up a lot because we're kind of low on the evolutionary ladder of relationships. We're just learning it, which gets us to point number four. Point number four is the real issue oftentimes what leads to cheating, even though there's many factors, and I've talked about this in other um, videos and podcasts and all that. Uh, there's lots of reasons, but the one major one that, you, that kind of is an umbrella for everything, it's a lack of mature communication. So if a partner who is cheating, and even if you do have something to do with it, which we all do, by the way, like I said with my wife, she has plenty of things she could applaud me for and plenty of things she could complain about me for. So there's always things that a partner could complain about. So you talk about it. You have mature conversations, not blaming, mature conversations where the person before that person would cheat would instead say, I'm having trouble with this, or I'm really having frustration with this. And you might try to work it out. And then if you don't, let's go to therapy. Or, you know, we just can't do it. And so let's divorce, but I will not have a secret, you know. So those are there are there are choices people have other than infidelity. So, but lack of mature communication is the real issue. 
It is the real issue. And, you know, as a matter of fact, when I work with people that want to try to work it out uh, uh, after infidelity, it's never, I've never, and I've worked with thousands of individuals and couples on this, it's never been about the betrayed person. I have to make that person become more deserving of fidelity. It's never that. It sure is a lot of lack uh, of encouraging mature communication. As a matter of fact, the biggest, in my experience, the biggest predictor of non-repeating infidelity is when a couple does begin a pattern of mature conversation. So that is the true uh, umbrella issue, even though there might be other factors. But whatever the factors are, if we're communicating more maturely with our partner, and being open and being transparent and letting our partner listen to us as well as listening to that partner, then uh, infidelity becomes uh, really unnecessary. And at least uh, it's really difficult to cheat on someone when I have shared my story with you, uh, my feelings and my problems and my challenges and even my complaints and, and, and you listen. That's what I mean by mature conversation. There has to be a practice of, of mature conversation. And the fifth, now this might feel like a stretch for some of you because, you know, but this is how I uh, was thinking about the fifth point here about dealing with this whole idea of what's wrong with me. You know, infidelity sucks. It's not a pretty picture, it's not good. But I encourage betrayed people to use the infidelity to practice shifting out of that cognitive bias of personalization that I started this with. It's an opportunity to practice being the sun and not the moon. I'll explain my metaphor. I think most people act like the moon and it has to do with our personalizations. It has to do with that we depend on other people for our physical survival as well as our emotional survival and our need to attach. And so we are looking for somebody out there to reflect our light. And actually we need that when we were little. If we get a good dose of it, we internalize it and now we feel it inside. But uh, if, if you have a partner or a parent, or let's say a partner, who is not reflecting how wonderful you are and you personalize it, you're acting like the moon. It's like, I have no light on my own. I'm the moon. The moon has no light of its own. It needs the sun to reflect its light. However, what I do with my people that were betrayed is I help them reclaim their sun. In other words, reclaim that the light is within them. If you've had a, a family background where you didn't get uh, the proper nourishment, nurturance, sure, there's a little more work to do there. But even there, it's possible to claim your light. Because we are all born deserving of love, every single one of us. And perfection is not a prerequisite to receive love. We know that as parents, that when we're healthy parents, we don't give our kids unconditional love, we give them unconditional love. And through the unconditional love, that's when they start to feel worthy because, you know, we do come into the world like needing that. But ultimately, we need to claim our son. You are radiant. And as much as infidelity sucks, it oftentimes can be a launching pad for people that are betrayed to realize, wow, 
I've been depending too much on my partner and maybe other people too to define my worth. And I can't do that anymore. I can't afford it because that person has their own stuff. And so I have to learn to find that sun inside of me, which isn't that hard to do. Uh, it actually starts with grieving that you can't depend on other people to reflect your light, that you already have it. It's like you don't need them. It's already there. Now, I'm not trying to be nonchalant about it. And I, and I know that often we have to do some psychological unlearning to get there. But once we unlearn all the negative stuff we've learned from our parents and our partner and whoever, uh, what we discover is we're pretty good. We're great. We're not perfect, but we're lovable. We're worthy. Yes, no one's perfect, but I deserve honesty. I deserve, I deserve fidelity. And if you can't give that to me, then you better work on you. And if you can't work on you and get there, then I have some decisions to make. So anyway, I just wanted to share those points. This is Todd Krieger, making the world safe for love. That's it for today's episode of Let's Talk About Love, Sex, and Infidelity Podcast with your host, Todd Krieger. For free resources and materials, head over to toddkrieger.com. Loved this episode? Head over to iTunes and subscribe, rate, and leave a review. We'd really appreciate it. Thank you.